a sign of um, thanksgiving, a sign of praise. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for what you've done and what you're about to do. Blessed be your name. Those of you who are sitting, I'm going to invite you to stand as we pray our prayer together that we've been praying for the last several weeks. How we need him. How we want God to do this. How I want God to make this real in my life. Shall we begin? We would be still and know that you are God, King God, supreme in all your authority, the ruling, reigning monarch of this universe, timeless in your existence, ingenuous in your, and with totality. We stand in awe of you as we contemplate your awesome holiness, your majestic splendor, your blazing glory, your limitless power and unquestionable sovereignty. We worship you for your flawless character, your infinite knowledge and wisdom, your absolute justice, your unswerving faithfulness, unending mercy, matchless grace, and terrible wrath against sin. We bow our hearts and bend our knees before you as we acknowledge your dazzling beauty, your fascinating personality, your incomprehensible humility, your unsearchable understanding, and your unfathomable love. We acknowledge that our greatest need is to have a far greater revelation of what you are really like. We ask you to meet that need. We would also join with Moses and pray, teach us your ways that we may know you and find favor in your sight. Thank you for you will answer these sincere requests. In Jesus' name, amen. All God's people said amen. Hug somebody and say, that's my prayer too. Tell them, that's my prayer too. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Someone said it earlier, we're going for a ride. I hope you're ready. Amen. As we prepare ourselves to eat this special meal together in the presence of the Lord, and may the Lord help us and prepare our hearts for such. First Sunday of 2024 we've begun each first Sunday with 
communion. While the scripture says, as often as you do this, remember me. In some congregations, this is a weekly affair. And that's good. We've chosen, uh, as many others, to partake of this meal together once a month. We didn't want it to become so common until it somehow lost its meaning. So the first Sundays, generally, the first Sunday of the month, we gather, in our gathering together, we partake of this meal, this special meal together. Oh, and I, I, I have a word I want to share with you uh, in connection with this meal. One of the things I saw this past week in preparing for this this Sunday is um, a statement that so impacted me. This year in 24, the church is going to break huddle and move into the game. This year, we're going to break huddle and move into the game. To further explain, we have, the church is, uh, we've majored on gathering. And gathering's necessary. Even in the game of football, you can't do well without a, a huddle. Because in the huddle, the plays are called. In the huddle, decisions are made. Assignments are given. In the huddle is where we learn what the next move is. And in, in the game of football, you could even consider the training a huddle. When you train and exercise and execute and over and over until you got it down to second nature. The church, likewise, has continual training that many, unfortunately, some of you have not availed yourself to, continu continual training so that you know what to do, so that you know how, how to live in this culture, how to change the culture, and, for, and complete our assignment. What the Holy Spirit has given us as an assignment can't be completed unless we're trained. And God's people said amen. And so one reason why we keep coming, keep gathering, is so we can be trained. So when we are dispersed, when the body of Christ has disassembled, it may go into the world and be Christ. This year will be a, a, a year of breaking huddle. And you moving into the space that God has given you with the heart and the mentality of heaven so that God's kingdom can begin to manifest through you his righteousness, his peace, and his joy. Before Jesus was crucified, he gave meaning to this meal. Actually, it was a common practice among those of Israel to eat this meal, to drink this cup, and to eat this meal together. It was common. But Jesus gave it meaning for the kingdom and he said to them as often as you do this remember me 
in preparation for that, I want you to go to Acts chapter 9. My wife didn't know that I was speaking this today. So when she began talking about seeing and hearing, I said, thank you, Lord, for confirming what you spoke to me today. And, and, and this, this word begins with one of the most famous characters, persons in the scripture responsible for m much of the New Testament. Incredible man of God. God seems to love to take the ruthless and turn them into saints, into his soldiers. And give them his purpose. And so it is in Acts chapter 9, verse 1. Now Saul, that's his name. That's what he's called now. Saul, he's breathing out threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord. That tells you something about him right now. That his breath was talking about who he was going to kill and whose life he was going to take. We talking about gangster number one. <laughs> Tepid him said, God loves gangsters. <laughs> and they said, they're touching him and say, I, and I know who I'm touching right now. <laughs> so Saul's breathing, he's threatening, I'm gonna get him, I'm gonna get him, I'm gonna kill him. I'm gonna murderize them. <laughs> He, and he wanted to do it with authorization. So he went and got authorization from the priest. Check it out. And he went and asked for letters from him. And he asked for letters from him to the synagogue at Damascus. Verse 1 says he went to the priest and he asked for, uh, give me the authorization to take them out. But we're talking about gangster for real. You guys still, are you still with me? And so he, the synagogues at Damascus, so that he found, so if he found, if he found anybody belonging to, this is interesting, this is one of the, the first ways the church was referred to, anything, anyone belonging or any belonging to the way, both men and women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Now, I, it's kind of interesting that, that he, his papers say bring them bound, but he's threatening murder. I'm going to brutalize them. I'm going to brutalize them. I'm going to make them suffer. <laughs> so, any man, any woman, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. So as he was traveling, it happened that he was approaching Damascus. So he's on his way. He got his posse with him to help him, to back him up. He's got authorization. That means I'm wearing a badge. I can get you. I can kill you. Amen. Are you understanding what I'm saying? And he's looking for a certain people. Anybody who's talking about the way. Anybody talking about Jesus. Anybody talking about disciple, anybody talking about things of the kingdom of God. He said, I I'm authorized to get them. 
And as he was traveling to Damascus, he's on his way. He's got a mission. And it happened as he approached Damascus, suddenly a light came. Notice here, this light was from heaven and it flashed around him. It was obviously bright. I would suspect brighter than anything he's ever seen. It was so bright that he fell to the ground in verse 4. And falling to the ground, he heard a voice. So here is his seeing and his hearing. And he's on the ground because that light was so powerful. His very presence couldn't take it. Sounds similar to John, one of Jesus' disciples who even rested on Jesus' breast. When he was on the Isle of Patmos, he had a revelation after Jesus had died and was crucified and was resurrected. He had a vision of Jesus and Jesus came and the light was so bright. He couldn't take it. He lost all strength. He falls to the ground. And the one from whom the light came had to touch him to raise him up. And Saul is on the ground and he, 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 he it so struck him, this light and this voice. So you have sound waves, you have frequency and light so intense. He asked the question. He, I would say God's got his attention. He asked the question. And he fell to the ground and he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you, Lord? And from the light, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. Right here, this verse right here in verse 5, in this ninth chapter of Acts, is the first indication of something about what Jesus thinks the church is. Because you know, his, on his letters, he has the authorization to take captive Actually, he couldn't. If it happened in the struggle that they were killed, it wouldn't be counted against him. But if he brought them as prisoners to the city, they were, they, they were to either confess or they could be killed. But isn't it interesting that, that the light speaks to him and says, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. First time we have any indication of who the church is. Because those same people of the way, those same disciples whom Paul was gathering, Jesus said, you're touching me. Who are you, Lord? I am I'm Jesus. I'm the one you are persecuting. Lord, have mercy. It's kind of like if you're a husband and a father and a family man and somebody touches your kids. Are you hearing me? Are you feeling where I'm coming from? Uh, you, you are Jesus and, 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 and you're married, you have children, and somebody accosts your wife. I don't think you'd be calm about it. You better not be calm about it. 
And the woman said, that's right, you better do something. <laughs> the first indication, the first revelation of, of who the church is, is when Jesus said, I'm the one you're persecuting. Those people who are naming me, those people who have that way of living, those people who have that way of speaking, the, that's me. Are you there, saints? The men who traveled with him, they stood speak. They couldn't say nothing. They were speechless. They heard the voice. But they, can, they didn't see anybody. Saul got it from the ground, and though his eyes were open, look at, look at verse, look at verse 8. Please get this. Though his eyes were what? Open, he could see nothing. This describes the, the condition of most men and women who have never, never been in the light. Their eyes are open. They can describe what they see, but they don't truly see. And the apostle, the light is so bright. Now, I don't know if any of you have ever had this, but if anyone has ever shown a bright light into your eyes, there's a split second that even though the light may be removed, you can't see anything. If you've ever, if you've been, if, if some of you have been in the military, if you've ever been out and you've, and you've been in the sun, you see the sun straight on, when you turn your face from the sun, you cannot see anything because the impact of that light upon your eyes is quite amazing. And so Saul, he's on the ground hearing the voice. Wow. Though his eyes were open, he could see nothing. And leading him by the hand, they brought him to Damascus. And he was there three days without sight. That light was so bright, you don't get permission to see until the light says so. Now, I don't know if you've thought about it. I don't know if any of you have had the experience of temporarily losing your sight. Or, I mean, something done to your eyes, but they cover your eyes, you can't see. It doesn't take long. They, had a, they used to have a, uh, an exposition here in Atlanta. I don't know if they still have it. It used to be upstairs on 17th Street. Uh, and you would, they would take you through it, and you would, it was complete blackness, complete darkness. They wanted to give you the experience of what it was to be blind. Anyone, anyone ever go? I went several times. It was so, it impacted me so much. I mean, it, it's, it, on one side, it's a horrifying thing. When you cannot see, literally cannot see, where there's nothing but darkness, your other senses automatically start to come alive just to try to make up, <laughs> to preserve you because of the one that's left. It was a really amazing experience. For three days, now that, that, that exposition only is leaving for about an hour, 35, 40 minutes. Uh, it's really, it's really, uh, it's hair-raising because you, you don't know. I mean, you, you have no depth perception. You, you, <laughs> you're just moving by feel. You're trying to make it through this maze. For three days, the Apostle Paul, then called Saul, is without sight. Now, he can hear, but he can't see. And what he has seen is so incredible until his natural sight serves him no use at all. Isn't it interesting, for those of us who are believers, the scriptures say we walk by faith and not, come on, by sight. 
I understand. I understand your physical sight is one thing, but spiritual insight or spiritual sight is quite different. Praying for those of you that, that God has, has given, had given you and opened your spiritual eyes when you were young, when faith wasn't a problem, you get older and you start getting into logic and then the logic starts warring against you and the spiritual thing that you were given starts to become null and void because you know you, that don't make sense. It is interesting that faith and sight in the spirit work together. Not physical sight though. Who's it? Helen Keller? Helen Keller? Is that, is that her name? Yeah. Helen Keller? Is that, the worst thing is not to be born, not to be sightless, but the worst problem is to be able to see and have no vision. See, the Apostle Paul is in a fix because he knows he's right. Theologically, he's right. Emotionally, he's right. Logically, he's right because of, of his teaching and his upbringing and the way of, theology, of, the way of Islam, probably not Islam, thank God, not Islam. The, the, we'll talk about that later. The, the, the way of Israel, the theology of the Old Testament that had much to say and see, but unless you have special eyes, you cannot see Christ. He's all in the Old Testament but you have to have sight to be able to see it. He's got old, he's old school. He's still at the temple and sacrifices. He's still living at the door of the Ten Commandments, literally. He's still um, caught in the traditions of the fathers. He's got a kingly, call on his life. Last Sunday, I remember distinctly asking those of you that you know you're called by God. You know it. You may not have faced it. You may have not have acknowledged it to anybody else, but you know even many of you from a child, you knew you were called by God to serve him. I, sh I should not have been shocked, but it, it appeared to me that half to three quarters of the men and women who stood up last week who acknowledged I do have a call on my life. I just hadn't pursued it or I hadn't uh, gone after it. I haven't given much thought to it, but I know it's there. Okay, so I'll do it again. If you have a call on your life and you know it, stand up. Yeah, right now. I have a call on my life. I, from, a, from a child, I know God put his hand on my life. I don't know what to do with it, but I know it. I want you to look around at your brothers and sisters and I want you to understand that like the Apostle Paul who was called by God, he is in a totally different direction. He's even religious, but he's in a different direction. And what God specializes is confrontations and encounters with himself that, that open you up so that you can see this is what God is wanting. This is what he wants in my life. This is what he wants to do with me. You know, living your life, the way you've lived your life, it may not be that God has banished you to utter darkness, but you know there's something that has to be done I'm supposed to do. My God. Look, honey, I want you to see this. 
The reason why this is so crucial, because we're at the top of 24, and you will not ever live, you will not live out 24 without beginning to fulfill the call of God on your life. You begin to do the things that God has before time assigned for you to do. God had things assigned for the Apostle Paul that he had not come into. In fact, he was in a totally different direction. Now, I, here, this is me now. This is, this is me, me. This is Flynn speaking. I think that when God has to give a revelation as drastic as he did to Paul because heads are so hard. Some of his kids, he can just speak to. Bam, they got it. But there's some of his kids. You almost got to knock them out. Are y'all breathing? I don't know which one you are, but my suggestion was that if you know there is a call, whatever you need to do to find that out, find that out so you want to have another Paul experience. Lift your hands to the Lord. We're here at the top of this year, Heavenly Father, because you brought us here. You kept us here. You kept us safe. You, 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 you kept us alive. You kept us healthy. You provided for us. You promoted us. Lord, that we didn't lack anything. And, and I thank you, Heavenly Father. And when life could have been snuffed out, you, you, you were there and you stopped death. And I thank you, Heavenly Father. I thank you that, that you are allowing us to complete the very reason for which you created us. This year, in the name of Jesus, I declare, it comes forth in your life. And it comes forth in your life with joy. Hallelujah. I praise you for it. Come on, repeat, repeat after me. Father God, in Jesus' name, thank you for the grace to obey you, to follow you, in Jesus' name, I will do it. Amen. You may be seated. Lord, have mercy. I'm praying for you that God would open your eyes. He's there three days, and he, you, you can imagine... His, you can imagine his inner turmoil. He's on a mission, and the mission he's on, God stands in his face right when he's in a mission to destroy the things that the very one who created him created. Oh, my God. And there he is in Ananias' house. I'm, I'm sorry. He's in the street called Straight. He's not in Ananias' house. He's at a street call. He's living at Straight Street. Amen. <laughs> Shift with me, please. He's there three days, and, and he's, and, and the men who traveled with him, they were speechless. They didn't hear anything, but Saul, he's up from the ground now, and they brought him to Damascus. He's there three days, and he just doesn't know what to do. Are you, are you all there? So here's what's amazing to me. Verse 10, and after, now there was a disciple in Damascus whose name was Ananias. Some of you are like Paul. God got to almost knock you out. But that's okay. You know, my, my daddy said, hard head make a soft behind. 
Did y'all ever get that saying in your in your life? Yeah. Some of y'all like Saul, you know. You you are you have the right education. By the way, this is amazing to me. God is all along, all the whole time, God was He was managing you. He was working with you. He was preparing you. You got the right education, you got the right position, you got the right, you know, you stationed out, you're in the right city. You, you everything God was you didn't plan all that, but God was because God knows how He wants to release what He's put in you. Some of you are like Saul. But others of you are like Ananias. So let me let me let me show you let me show you quickly about Ananias. Now the Bible says he's a disciple. I'm sorry, a disciple is a follower. Say follower. A, a, a disciple is obedient. And and he was a disciple at Damascus, Ananias, and the Lord said to him in a vision. Here we go now with visions. And the Lord said to me, vision, Ananias. Now, some of us, if God spoke to us, you know, now we're going to beat on our earphones. <laughs> Boy, God knows how to get your attention. But Ananias, God says, Ananias, I don't know how loud God has to speak to get your attention. One thing we do know, the more of a disciple you are, the less effort it takes to get your attention. I said, the, the more of a disciple you are, the less effort it takes to get your attention. Because disciples are always listening anyway. Ooh, ooh, speak to my heart. Holy Spirit, give me your word that will bring new life. Word on the wings of the morning, the dark clouds they fade away. Speak to my heart. Speak to my heart. Disciples, man, God thought, yes, your delight. For God to talk to you. You ain't excited when you know God's speaking. You don't like, you ain't talking about, oh Lord. Here he come. Your mama called, hey, you in there? You're under your breath. You know I ain't, you know I ain't in here. I ain't in here. I ain't here. I ain't in here. Yes. <laughs> When you're not a disciple, or if you're if you're a reluctant disciple, or if you're a child, if you are an infant, or if you're immature, it's 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 it takes longer for you to respond. One of the greatest joy of your life, one of the greatest joys of your life, one of the greatest joys of your life should be to, to hear the voice of God talking to you. If you have not heard the voice of the Lord. You ought, you ought to be concerned. Let's try this again. If you have not heard God speak to you, then you ought to be concerned because every disciple, Jesus says, my disciple, my sheep, they, and they will not, my sheep, they, they know my voice. They know my voice. In 2024, you're going to have to become familiar again 
with the voice of the Lord because this voice is not only going to, it's going to save your life in 24. That voice is going to redirect you in 24. That voice is going to keep you out of hot, out of hot water. That voice, for some of you, is going to put you in hot water and then insulate you so when you're in the hot water, it don't bother you. You need to know that voice. Are you guys, are you all breathing? So look at, look at Ananias. It's in the scripture right there. Check it out. It says in Ananias, and he said, here I am, Lord. Now, parents know when you call their child, Christopher, yes. <laughs> he did. He said, yes, sir. Come to think of it, I wonder how many of your children address you as sir and ma'am. Just wondering about that. This morning I was sharing with men how to be a man, how to be a man of God. And uh, daddies are responsible to teach their sons and daughters how to respond to them. You go down south and there's a, they, it, it's kind of two words, yes them. Yes, sir. <laughs> yes, sir. Ananias, here I am. I don't, it doesn't sound like he's upset about it. Put your eyes in the words. Check it out. We're almost there. He says, uh, uh, Ananias, and the Lord said to him in the vision, Ananias, and the Lord said to him, verse 11, uh, I'm sorry, help me with this, please. Look at me. Lords don't ask anything. Kings do not ask. One of the challenges we have in America is we won't, we won't, we want to be uh, in a position where you know we have a choice, an option. Stop the car. Stop the car. I ain't, I ain't got to stop no car. Why I got to stop? I didn't do nothing. Some of y'all have listened so much about police brutality until now you have now actually in your emotions you stood against the very authority of God. The Bible's clear about how you handle authority, how disciples handle authority. Ananias, yes, sir. In other words, here I am. In, in, the, in the New Testament, when this response, here I am, actually means at your service. Oh, yeah. Check it out. And God speaks to him, and he says, get up, go to the street called Straight, and inquire of the house of Judas, for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. Now God, who talks to him, says, I want you to get up, go to, go to, go to Judas's house, tell him exactly where it is, and I want you to inquire, ask for a man named Saul, because he's praying right now. So here is the Lord Jesus answering Paul's, now then called, Saul's prayer. Because he blind, 
He's scared. He don't know what to do. He knows it's the Lord, but he don't know what to do with that. In fact, he's probably tore up inside because the one whom everyone is talking against has identified himself. Jesus is the one that was crucified and said was raised from the dead. He, he, he's calling me. Ananias gets up and says to the Lord, please, get the conversation. You might be able to find yourself. Saul, go to this man. His name is Saul, for he's praying. And he has seen, he has seen in a vision a man named Ananias come in and lay his hands on him so he might regain his sight. So Paul is praying. God's giving Paul or Saul giving him a vision while he runs over here and he's talking to Ananias at the same time. I want to say this to you. Please, please get this in 24. When the Lord gives you a command, know that he's already been working on the other side before he asks you to do it, whatever it is. When, when, when God speaks to you, and, and may the Lord God May his voice be known to you when he speaks to you. When he puts you on assignment, he's already working stuff out. He's already been preparing. This is the way we have to act and move in 2024. When God speaks, there's a whole plethora of things that God has already done. So when he comes to you, you got to play your part because it's so important. It may not look important, but when God tells you to speak or tells you to go or tells you what to do, you must not question him in the sense, I ain't going. I don't want to go. Now, I say it this way because in a nice had, he had problems. Read on. And see what Ananias said. He said, he said, Saul, you mean notorious Saul? Sound like Biggie Small. You're talking about murderous Saul? Man, I heard about all that stuff he's doing, Jesus. And by the way, even though you may be familiar with his voice, it doesn't mean you can't get clarity. Will you say amen? And so he's, he, said, he, he said, but Ananias said, Lord, I heard about this guy, what he's doing, how he's dragging the saints all in Jerusalem. And, 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 and he has authority from the chief priest to bind all who call on your name. Lord, I've been calling on your name, but you know, it's costing now. It costs now to call on your name. Look at me. That time has come around again. I need to tell you this. For you to be his disciple, for you to call on his name, and for you to hear him and do what he says, there are those who hate you. That spirit that was on Paul, that, who then was called Saul, that spirit is alive in Atlanta, Georgia. It's alive across the country. For the last five to ten years, the enemy has been sowing, sowing, sowing. Hatred lies against the body of Christ. Anybody who represents him, who responds to him. Those of you on your job, some of you know what I'm talking about. You don't talk about your faith on your job because it's, it's caustic. The environment has changed. Am I talking to the right people? You can get fired 
for talking about your faith. Saying the wrong thing. <laughs> Dare you to say, transgender. <laughs> Ooh-wee. I speak these things to you today because that time has come around again. And now you must decide whose you are. Amen. And as we go further in the months, you will see that it becomes even more and more and more caustic, dangerous. But I do want you to see this. Lord have mercy. He has the authority from the chief priest to bind all who call on your name. That's verse 14. 15 says, but the Lord said to him, go, for he is a chosen servant of mine. Go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine. Go, because that man belongs to me. And I, the reason why I, I own him is because I want him to bear my name before the unbelievers, before Gentiles, before kings, and before the sons of Israel. Some of you are Ananias. God has his eye on someone extremely important for the kingdom of God. And it's, it's likely that they are a terror to everybody else. Gangster. But God has got his eye on you because you, you are the one that he wants to use to minister to those who he's going to change from gangster to God's man. He said, Ananias, um, yeah, I know about, I know about, isn't it amazing that we think God don't know? But Ananias, it's like saying to Ananias, uh, and you think I don't know his reputation? I told you he was praying. That should have been a key right there. <laughs> Ananias is, is, is looking at God, and he, he, he can bind people. He can, he can lock me up. He can take my house. He can take me. He can, lock, he, he can put me away. Go, for he's a chosen, he is a chosen servant of mine to bear my name. Are you there? I will show him how much he must suffer for my namesake. What did you, what did you say, Lord? I'm going to show Saul how much he should. What? Did I read that right? Y'all not reading? Mm. Verse 16. I will show him how much he must, what? For? So Ananias departed and entered the house. That's all I want you to see there, right there. It's okay to get clarity from God, but if you're a disciple, you'll go. Ananias, he, <laughs> he said, "You mean the one? You mean that? You mean gangster? Yeah, him. Lord, I guess it's not wise to call people's names. Uh, anyway, I was." I was thinking about somebody whose first name is P, but that's all right. Anyway, you mean he a gangster? Yeah. But uh, I have an assignment for him. And I want you to go. And the Bible says I want you to go and lay hands on him. Now, isn't that interesting? Look at your neighbor and say, uh-oh, I wonder whose hands, I wonder whose head you're supposed to lay your hands on. Ask your neighbor. I wonder whose hands. Some of you are Saul. Some of you are Ananias. 
One reason why you're so important, Ananias, sometimes you don't see the whole picture. God won't show you the whole picture. But you're important, Ananias, because that little act of obedience is going to release the power of God over the whole region. And the rest of the world is going to get to know about who I am because of the man you're about to lay your hands on. Now, we've come to a place, Metro, where we can no longer huddle. God wants you to break huddle and move into the world. And when you move into the world, he's going to have some assignments on your life. And one of the assignments he will have on your life is who to touch. You have no idea who you're laying your hands on. You have no idea who you're witnessing to. You have no idea who you're helping. And that's why you must hear the word of the Lord. You must know his voice. The time has come. You must be able to see spiritually. You must be able to hear what he's telling you. Ananias is a simple, by the way, I don't read anything else. Did you find anything else in the New Testament about Ananias? I was church searching. If someone else finds something else, please let me know. Uh, I have not found anything else in the New Testament about Ananias. I don't hear about him anymore. But do you know how important that man was to the kingdom of God? That simple opens, okay, Lord, I'll go. Okay, even if this costs me, I'll go. At your word, I will go. Bible says he comes in. Saul is there. He's praying. I guess I'd be praying too if I couldn't see. You talk about humble. Tell your neighbor. God knows how to humble you. God knows how to humble you. He knows how to humble you, and he knows exactly what you need. He departs after laying his hands on him. He said. Notice what he called Saul. What did he call Saul? Brother Saul, Lord have mercy, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road by which you were coming has sent me so that you may regain your sight. Oh, how many of you know that Paul is so happy to see? Well, he can't see yet. But how many of you, how many of you know when he, 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 he's thinking, he's thinking, what? He said, yeah, the Lord sent me to do what? He said, I can see... Saul took his hands and because you know when you can't see and you're in a crisis you're in a crisis first you can see now you can't see and for three days you've been that way um, I want to say this to you the men and women that God sends you to will be ripe and ready for what you have for God to give for you to give to God clap your hands and give him praise they will be ready clap it louder than that you need to know that because God is that that's the kind of God you serve that's the kind of God you serve. They will be ready for you. And when he comes, notice please, he says, and a nice, the Lord told me to come lay my hands on you. That God is the one, God is the one who appeared to you on the road. So here Saul is getting confirmation. God wants you to regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. you guys there verse 18 says and immediately say immediately there fell from his eyes something like scales and he regained his sight and he got up and he was baptized and he took food because he hadn't eaten in three days 
and he was strengthened. And from that point on, any argument that he had about religion, God took care of that right there. And from that point on, that man begins to preach Jesus. Are you guys okay? I, I, I went through this scenario because this is the time. When the Lord said, when you, and when you eat this meal, remember me. Remember my sacrifice. Remember, I'm alive. He is raised from the dead. This bread, this, this cup. He said, this cup is my blood in the New Testament. This bread, my body, which is broken for you. Remember what I did for you. Remember what the sacrifice that I made for you. That I am alive. You need eyes to see. You need ear to hear what the Lord is speaking to you. Some of you are making decisions. You're not making good decisions. And how do you know you're not making a good decision? When that, when that, when that doubt and feeling comes up in your spirit, you know what your flesh wants to do, but you also know there's something saying, raise your hand if you ever had that. I'm going to make, I want to do this, but there's something inside of you just, just nudging you like, don't do this. Lift your hand if that's been your life. Lift your hand if you've ever had that. When you know, you know what you wanted to do. You may not have recognized it as God, but there's a, a movement in your heart that says, I, should, I don't need to do this. Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus. We take this cup and this bread today. May the hand of the Lord in your heart be clear for you so that you now in being prayed for to be reactivated. May God activate your hearing so that it's not dull anymore. It's not, you're not resisting him. When, by, that, by that time, Saul is now preaching everywhere. And he's not been to rabbinical school. He's not, you know, he, he was trained in Judaism, but he, he, he wasn't trained in the gospel of the kingdom. But his experience with Jesus now has become alive and the baptism of the Holy Spirit that's come on to him and into him. He, he, he can't help but preach it. Now he's preaching the exact opposite of what he was living. And, there, and those who were on his side are saying, what happened to you? And the, and, the, and the church was shocked because they all heard his name. They never associated his name with the gospel of the kingdom. And now he's preaching. Read on further, you'll see he's preaching and it's amazing. And I, I close with this. Look at Look at um, verse thirty. But when they when but when the brethren learned of it, learned about when they learned of it, they brought him down at his Paul. He's now called Paul to Caesarea and sent him away to Tarsus. In other words, when he started preaching, those who had given him comm commissioned him turned against him and was going to take his life. They move him from, from one city to another. He starts preaching. And the Jews, who didn't know Jesus, hated his word. He was famous for executing believers. 
and now he is one. And they, they are ruthless against him. And so the Apostle Paul, they find that we got to get you out of the region. We got to get you out of the region. Because first of all, you're not going to stop preaching. So we got to get you out of here. So they get him out. In fact, they let him down through the walls in a basket. They got him away. And uh, the believers had to believe God that he really has changed. And they protected him and got him out of the city. And got him in a place where nobody knew where he was. Are you all there? And when that happened, look here, please. Verse 31. So the church throughout Judea, Galilee, and Samaria, they enjoyed these things. Number one, they enjoyed peace. They were being built up. They were being edified. Number three, what is the next phrase? And they were doing what? They were going on in the fear of the Lord. So God. Some have written concerning the church, these things are the attributes, these are the results of what happens when a church follows Jesus. When a church decides, when a church company decides to obey the Lord, God gives them peace from their enemies. Not that the enemies don't exist, they just can't touch them. He edifies them so they become encouraged. You come around the believers, instead of walking away down and sad, you walk away, oh my God. They get peace, they get edification. The last thing is that they have the comfort of the Holy Spirit. And it says they begin to increase. One reason why we're going to experience increase is because we're going to have that fourth thing. We're going to move in the, in the fear of the Lord. It's that attribute that is like God. It's akin to his holiness. To fear the Lord, to stand in awe of him. Lord, I just can't believe that you did this for me. My call, my assignment, my fruit, the fear of the Lord. And, and God made it clear in the New Testament that his increase would happen. And I want you to celebrate with me. I want this to begin our celebration for God bringing us mighty increase. And let me tell you, that increase is going to come through you because you're going to complete your assignment. You're not going to be one who just attends. You're going to be one who is sent on assignment. You're on the team. And when we huddle, that's one thing. But when we break, it's business. But there are some Saul's and Ananias's that you are to impact. Jesus knew it. So what Jesus did, he said, I want to always, I want you to always remember. Because the Lord knew 
that his appearing was not going to be immediate after the resurrection. He knew that he would take the church through seasons, through growth. He knew it was his word was coming but we to America. He knew we would last long enough to birth you. He knew you'd be here. God does not call anybody without an assignment. God does not save anybody without an assignment. If you know him and he is your savior, you have an assignment. Just like when you're born into a family, you have DNA, you can't help it. How God structured you is assigned, is connected to your assignment from heaven. You're very special to the Lord, and the angels in heaven cannot do what you do. Angels have their assignment. You have yours. God releases angels to help you do what you're supposed to do. I want to thank God that you're here today and praise him that you have chosen to be in the assembly of the saints, his church. But we take this today because we're about to break huddles. I tell you, we're about to break huddle and it's, and it's on. Have mercy, Jesus. I pray, Lord, for every person here today and we wait for a moment for them. You are the God that forgives every sin. You cleanse every iniquity. You're the God that calls us, the one that empowers us, and the one who sends us. Today, Lord, I pray, as we take this cup, which is your blood and this bread which is your body and we covenant together today we covenant to complete the task we covenant to answer the call we thank you we thank you for your incredible unspeakable sacrifice we're asking now father as we drink and as we eat let Christ be alive in us. Strengthen us, build us up. That we may do, that we may be what you've called us to be and do. I thank you for this. Amen.